1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, and our production assistant, Daniel Tersini, we would like to welcome you to the show. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Alex and Daniel.
2: Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Kathy.
1: How are you doing? How would uh, you have a nice long weekend?
2: Well, yeah, actually, I feel, personally, I feel very rested. Nice. Mm-hmm. Having that uh, extra day uh, really helped me. We had a, a busy weekend here at the station. We were here on uh, Friday and Saturday once again. Uh, doing the marathon, it was a it was an overall success, and um, the actual the marathon sort of continues in terms of uh, in terms of having people call in throughout the month for donations. We're, the lines are still still open for that, but we had a successful marathon, and I took took advantage of the extra Monday. I all I did yesterday was watch Netflix. Uh, that was my relaxation.
1: Nice. So the telethon continued. The telethon, I guess we call that a telethon? Yes, we can. Okay. Uh, that continues until the end of May. What number, if people are interested to donate, what would, number would they call into?
2: 016-245-7117 or anytime online at radiomaria.ca.
1: All right. And it's going well. That's wonderful. We do need the funding. Um, and uh, thank you to everyone who has participated in it. What are you watching on Netflix?
2: I was just telling Daniel, I, I got into um, Designated Survivor. Uh, I, I yeah. actually finished watching Suits, okay. uh, got to the end of that, and then I got a notification about Designated Survivor, and so I started binge watching that. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Once, once I started on Netflix, I know that's
1: it. I, I started watching uh, Scandal, and oh, okay. that, that is uh, I, I think it was seven. Seven seasons mm-hmm. and like 20 odd shows every season. And I, it, my productivity level dropped dramatically. Every time <laughs> I had a free minute, I sat and I watched it. Be, not having these commercials is deadly. I mean, I love it, but when it's a long series and
3: when, when it's oh, you, there you just for you. binge it. Uh, you yeah. just
1: binge it, and you know they keep one of the the great hooks about Netflix is you turn it on and they say, well, maybe you would like this, and maybe you would like that, <laughs> and wow, it does. It is addicting. It we, is. We did and something else that's addicting. Now this, we did a puzzle on the weekend. My daughter.
2: Well, that's nice.
1: Oh, it, it wasn't intended. It, you know, I think I've got a bit of a personality disorder when it comes to things like this, like the sports and the, um. My daughter was not well over the weekend, so her plans uh, and her boyfriend, actually, they got nixed. So they were at home for the weekend and they bought this 1,000-piece puzzle. Mm -hmm. And they set it up on our table. I was addicted to it. I could not stop doing this puzzle. I went to bed seeing puzzle pieces. I tell you, I don't have the type of personality to just say, okay, that is enough. Like, I'd like to get to the end of it with Netflix, these shows, with this puzzle. I've realized something about myself. That I have to really be careful of what I engage in because sometimes I can just you know get fully I, invested. In, 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 fully invested
2: in, in, in some cases the wrong things and then yeah, your mind just kind of I mean not harmful things but yeah, exactly I mean, it's
1: just it's just think, the amount of time I wasted doing the I don't know, maybe it's not a waste but we got the puzzle done.
2: <laughs> maybe it's something though that you need it though right. Sometimes I don't know. you just need that uh, little bit of creative release and I think maybe. doing something like a puzzle with your family is. I
1: enjoyed it. And my daughter said, we should have a puzzle table. I said, no way, because that, you know, no way. Uh, Yeah, no work will get done. But I didn't spend too much time outside. I didn't do an ounce of exercising because, you know, we spent this time. My father-in-law was over anyways. Mm -hmm. So the weekend was good for me. It was uh, not a lot of exercise. Like I said, we didn't do too much. The weather was iffy, you know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't Mm -hmm. great. We got some work done in the, in the yard, but, um, yeah, so I'm glad you guys all did. It was Victoria Day here in Canada so I hope everybody who participated in that holiday had a nice one and uh, a nice short week to um, take us out of the holiday and
2: I heard a lot of uh, fireworks outside my window yeah. but uh, mm-hmm. I, I haven't actually uh, had the opportunity to, to, to actually uh, watch any wa- watch any yeah exactly so. I,
1: I didn't I forgot there were fireworks and they, they didn't seem to come on till around 10 30 11 o'clock at night took me a little bit to cue into what was going on but uh, Yeah, so I didn't see any fireworks either. Mm -hmm. So obviously, today's show is live. You can call in to um, our station and talk to Chef... Shane, who we will be introducing in a little bit. Our number is 416-245-1534. We are on the social sites, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So please do follow us. We are at the Health Hub RMC. Uh, We put lots of great information out other than the show details. Of course, we have lots of good health information and tidbits for you. So do follow us. And you can email us at THH at radiomaria.ca. And please do subscribe to our podcast, The Health Hub. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, all the, the podcast formats. You can find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website. We are uh, www.radiomaria.ca and on my website, which is Um, Our show last week, Functional Medicine Approach to Autism, is up and ready for you to listen to. That was with Dr. Will Cole. We got some great response to that, some really good, good information uh, truly, an integrative approach to uh, autism, and it's such a prevalent thing that uh, really a good a good one for you to listen to if you have the time. Uh, but for today's show, I have to say one of the uh, many rewards and blessings that I have been given doing the Health Hub is the vast amount of information and knowledge that's um, that's imparted to me by the wonderful guests we have, their passions and their um, where they focus their energy is it, just it's in, in preparation for the shows I do some background work and for this show in particular um, food waste, I, I have to say that I it, it, it's, it's kind of it's awful but i was very negligent in the understanding of of this topic and the importance that, it really has on all of us. And how important uh, the vast amount of food waste that we uh, have is is impacting the environment.
2: Yeah, I think to a agree, we're all uh, guilty of, of, of food waste.
1: We are, you know, and I am. There's no question. And, you know, when you're a person that's buying organic food, um, you, you know that you have to eat that food quickly. Mm-hmm. Because um, it, it doesn't keep long, and and I am as guilty as anybody for discarding at the end of the week things that don't look good, and just the research that uh, you know Chef uh, Jordan has has prompted me to do in preparation for the show has opened my eyes to a lot of things, and I want to share some of the highlights. It. it it, I, spent, I spent a good amount of time in between Puzzle and uh, Netflix doing, doing this research, and it prompted me to write a blog on my website that I'll be posting as well. But uh, just to highlight some things, because I don't know if we'll be able to get into this with uh, Chef today. Perhaps he will take us through some aspects of this. But um, I, I do want to sort of set a framework for this conversation, because it is all of our concerns. It's all of our concerns and it's all of our responsibility. You know, the plastics issue that we've talked about and dealt with is forefront in the news. Garbage waste is is a huge impact on the environment. But wait until you hear some of the things I'm going to tell you about food waste. Global Food Waste, uh, according to Food and Agriculture Organization, the FAO of the United Nations, uh, they have done studies and roughly one-third of the food produced in the world for human consumption every year, approximately 1.3 billion tons gets lost or wasted. The FAO estimated that annually the direct and indirect cost of food waste adds up to $2.6 trillion worldwide. Wow. it's, It's phenomenal. And, you know... The, the scales are so tipped from the haves and the have-nots uh, that this piece of information alone should be prompting us to take a second look at, at ourselves. Uh, bringing it a little closer to home, the average Canadian household, uh, one in four produce items gets thrown in the garbage. And that translates, now this study was done a few years ago, so this is not adjusted for cost of inflation. That translates to about $1,100 a year. I'll bet that that's higher. I'll bet that that's higher than that quote we throw away that amount of money. So uh, another impact to the household. Um, But there are three areas of the environment that are significantly impacted by food waste. The first is water. Now, I want you to think about what we do with water. It is essential for growing agriculture, and it is essential for feeding uh, the animals that are used in our food chain. When we throw away food, we waste millions of liters of water that were used to produce our food. Mm. Really? I mean, theoretically, you know, yeah. we are throwing away this. Consider this. Meat producers are the heaviest water users. Animals drink water, but added to this, water is needed for the feed that the animals eat. It takes about 8 to 10 times more water to produce um, meat than it does grain the consumption of animal products contributes to more than one quarter of the water footprint in humanity. I, you know, I, as I was going through this, and I fact check, and you know, this isn't just from one source. It it really it really opened my eyes to
2: we things. We definitely take a lot for granted in trying to figure out how things you know happen and how they come together, but. Well, you we, know, this information that you're sharing is, like you said, eye-opening.
1: It is. I We don't consider this. I mean, we, we, we're so, you know, so singularly focused on just our own actions. Um, and we need to take them abroad. We need to see how this is impacting. Next is land waste. So land is used for the production of food for growing crops and, of course, raising and feeding livestock. Discarded food also eventually makes its way to landfills. Landfills, food waste is both an ethical waste of land and a physical waste of space. So consider, you know, we're, we're walking through this. We are having our animals graze. We are wasting the food. We are wasting land when we throw away our food. It, it, it just it um, the consumption. And this is another fact. The consumption of animal products contributes to more than one quarter. Oh, I did that of the footprint of um, of the human footprint of water. The other thing is, uh, and these are just three that I pulled out that were, that were really, that stood out to me. The other thing is the production of methane gas. So as food begins to decompose and rot, it releases methane gas. Methane gas is the greenhouse gas, which many scientists believe adversely affects the Earth's climate, and temperature. About 20% of Canada's methane emission comes from landfills. Uh, I was I was blown away with that. I really I really was. Um, Can
2: you repeat, repeat that last line?
1: So about twenty percent of Canada's methane emissions comes from landfills. Mm. Mm. So we throw away food. Food makes its way to landfills. Landfills emit the methane gas. So I, I just I, I really thought that that was important to set this up uh, for our talk with with uh, Chef Shane. Uh, because what he's doing and what he's trying to do and what he's promoting and the book that he's written is, is a humanitarian step that I think we all need to follow. So I, I want you to stick with us and listen to what he's doing um, and what what he his projects that he's working on and understanding his book. Um, and before we go to break, I'll read you his bio. Chef Jane, uh, Shane Jordan is a plant based chef and environmental practitioner from the UK specializing in creating meals from surplus food and promoting ways to reduce food waste. Chef Jordan has been described as a pioneer for his imaginative use of food waste in restaurants, and he has written a cookery book entitled Food Waste Philosophy, detailing his alternative approach to creating food. Promoting sustainability outside the kitchen, he has partnered with a host of UK waste initiatives, including VegFest UK, Food Cycle, Love Food, a Waste and Waste and Resources Action Program. When we get back from our break, we will be discussing some of the things that I've uh, previously mentioned. We will also be talking about what his food waste philosophy is, how we can reduce food waste in our homes, um, and what his philosophy is on creating and cooking. He will also be sharing with us um, a recipe or two that he has created with food waste. So we will be back in a few minutes. (music)
4: I just can't believe where my life was at. All that I know is my heart was broke and I don't ever wanna go back. Ain't no explanation of how I saw the light. He found me and he set me free and he brought me back to life. Blame it on the transformation, changed down to the car. Changes, it's a drink my change, girl, of change You gotta shake, shake, shake Like you change, change, change Break new look so good on you So shake like you've been changed Come on and shake, shake, shake like you change Shake, shake, shake like you change like Maybe he came to you When everything seemed fine or maybe your world was upside down And it's you i
0: are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Our show today with Chef Jordan is live. Our number is 416-245-1534 if you would like to call and speak with him. Again, our social sites are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at The Health Hub RMC. Chef Jordan, welcome to the show.
5: Hello. Hi. How are you
1: doing? I'm very well. How are you doing?
5: I'm doing fine, fine.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, I'm not sure if you heard it or not this um, issue of food waste and, uh, is, is something that is, really needs to be addressed by everybody. In, in, you know, w- within our homes, in, in, small, in small ways, we can all make a difference. And I think what you are doing is helping to make you've made me more aware, just uh, your presence on the show. I think what you're doing is outstanding. So thank you for that. That's OK. Now, where did you get your passion for cooking? Where did that begin?
5: Uh, I think it began with my mom. Um, she would always cook in the house when I was younger, and I would always watch her cook and ask questions. So um, it was always around me, really, uh, cooking in general. And I was very curious. So I'd ask her questions. What are you doing? What ingredients are you using? And just slowly I would um, you know, get some responsibility for making pastry when she's making a apple pie or something like that. And I would just slowly learn step-by-step. Um, step.
1: Did you go to school for your expertise, or is this something you cultivated from a young child?
5: Um, it's a mixture. I mean, uh, at the beginning, it was always about um, my, my mom, learning from my mum when it came to cooking. And then uh, in school, um, they would have cookery lessons, but it wasn't that creative. It, they had a kind of a, a map in the sense of, you want you to make this, you want you to make that. But at home, I was able to have the freedom to experiment.
1: What is your specialty? If you have a specialty, you, you, uh, you mentioned that you were doing some of the, the pastry. Is that the line that you go down, or are you a broad-spectrum chef?
5: Um, I don't really do that much baking, but as a child, I think I would make like jam tarts or something like that, or a crumble, or something something easy at the beginning when I was small. Then as time went by, you know, I would use pastry and, and make like quiches and, and uh, different meals like that.
1: Now, um, how old are you?
5: I'm 35.
1: 35. And has this been your profession
5: all of your life? Um, it depends. I've, I've had this, this profession, but I've also had you know, other jobs in education, um, in sports. I've kind of, I've jumped around different jobs. So um, I've definitely uh, been busy and active throughout the year.
1: And all of this has come together to help you be become more environmentally aware. Now, do do you have a restaurant that that you own or that you're working in, or is this something that you're you you go to different places and and share your your understanding of food
5: waste? I do more freelance work, so I do go to different places and maybe do some work in a school, etc., cetera, community center. But at the moment, no, I don't have a restaurant. But um, if I had a restaurant, maybe my mum would run it and. She would have a passion for the uh, the restaurant business, but it's not really something that I would look to do. But I like doing workshops.
1: Excellent. Now, have you ever been to Canada doing any of your work?
5: Um, no, no, never been to Canada. I hope one day, you know, I can I can go to the U.S. and Canada and a couple of other locations. You know, I hope to you know learn about other things that happen in other countries, not just on social media. So I hope.
1: We have um, someone that was on the show before. His name is actually very similar to yours. I was saying to the guys in the booth, um, Chef Jagger. He is also working uh, in Canada to try and and promote um, the the end of food waste and and feeding people that... um, you know with, with things that restaurants get rid of and food like that so I think you know with with you people being involved in this industry you've got a first-hand view of, of how much waste goes on. When did you start seeing this for yourself the waste of food?
5: Well it, it all started with food cycle' on so, well, food cycles like an organization they work in a community and basically volunteers, uh, cycle to local shops, they take the food away that they, that they were going to throw away, and they make a community meal, and um, this amazing organisation, and I, I I went there for a community meal, I didn't know who they were, and at the end of it, end of the meal, um, I asked, you know, um, what's that on your apron, it's a food cycle, what do you do, and from that point on, I volunteered, and I had a chance to see, you know, the food for itself, like, what would be thrown away, and, and how, you know, it's edible and it would be thrown away and they're making a community meal. And it just got me interested in why people would throw this food away in the first place. And just that experience just kind of made that interest that I had, that kind of passion. So it just started from there.
1: Are the laws uh, where you are in the UK, are they very strict about what can be taken from restaurants and repurposed for other people? Did you have to sort of wade through all of that as you were developing um, your methods for cooking and going into food cycle? Do you have a lot of of things that you're constricted with by uh, the laws in the UK?
5: Definitely. I mean, most of the products are all fresh, so it's not not taking sandwiches and they're not taking things, you know, um, past a certain, uh, you know, use by day, et cetera. It's all just fresh produce. But the problem is, you know, they would usually throw, throw this produce away because they visually, they want it to look fresh for the, the, the week after. So um, they would usually throw this away and you um, would just make a community meal from it. So there are um, policies in place, legislation in place regarding food, but um, most of it's just to do with the aesthetics of the food and visually just taking away things that don't look as pleasing.
1: Now that's the second or third time that the aesthetics of food has popped up in in one of our shows. Uh, In the UK, do you have grocery stores, I think it was in France, if I I may be mistaken about this, um, that they were taking these basically ugly produce and, and selling them at a lower cost. Are you guys doing the same thing in the UK right now?
5: We are, we call it wonky fruit and or wonky vegetables and um the, they're at a lower price and it basically says you know wonky vegetables, wonky fruit and uh they've tried to have like a comedic element to it and say it's a funny shape but you're still edible, it's fine and um it, it's doing quite well actually but I think it's just addressing the kind of the beauty standards in food, which is funny, you know, they you usually apply this to other human beings the way yeah. it looks, but people are very particular about their oranges and their lemons looking really really yellow and looking a certain color and a certain shape and there's a whole kind of aspect of food perfection which um you kind of wonder where did this come from is is it a mixture of um you know advertisement and the the lighting and the way it looks and you know there's there's so many elements to why we want food to be a certain way even though we're going to cut this up and chop it and basically make it into food we're not going to um, do anything with it just for visual purposes. It might look good in the fridge or in, or um, in your kitchen. But apart from that, it's going to be chopped up and eaten. So it's, it's strange that we have this um, perfection in our head.
1: It is strange, and I don't know how much you get into the actual nutritional value of of these foods. But you know, there there is a camp that uh, says that sometimes these ugly fruits are more nutritious for you because of the the phytoalexins associated with these foods. And and it's it's odd that um, I guess we are a, a group of aesthetic aesthetic people that we hold a lot of value in how things look because people would much rather have their apples waxed and looking shiny and pretty than naturally pulled off of a tree where it's not as shiny but probably a little bit more healthy for you.
5: Definitely. I just think um most people there's not a connection with food actually being grown or you know in the soil or on a tree and they just want it a certain way and there's just not that connection and any kind of blemish or something on the, the fruit or the vegetables, and we become very particular. Some people have, and they, they won't pick that one, and they want it to look a certain way.
1: When you're educating people about food waste, how deeply do you go into environmental aspects of it, or are you working with people on the front of, of just not wasting?
5: I try and cover as much as possible, but... Th- is about my approach. I try not to be too preachy. Um, I try not to uh, dictate and have a kind of uh, ideology of, okay, this is how I want the world to be or food. I try and give small portions of information and if they like that small piece, they can they can uh, come to me and say, well, do you have any more information? And I can give them a link or information myself. So it depends on the person, but my approach is always, not to make it too. Um, oh no, you know it's an epidemic, and we have to do something. And not too panicky, mm-hmm. but to just m- make it in a quite a friendly approach, and say your, you know, the small parts that you can do in your life can really benefit, and just show the positive sides of, of uh, food waste and environmental work in general. Really.
1: Well, who well, give us the the dynamic of the of the people that you are working with.
5: Um, different organizations. I mean, uh, love food, hate waste, um, supported me and given me leaflets and, um, I've spoken about, you know, events that are happening. Says, Do you want to attend? And they have a great link with, uh, the community. So, um, that's one of the big ones as well as food cycle. I have experience of volunteering for them and I reach out on social media or I, I might see what another city's doing, uh, that have food cycle there. And, uh, the key thing for me is just reaching out to different people in the community uh far and wide and just having a nice uh positive approach and trying to listen to them instead of trying to fill them with my knowledge i'm listening to them and and trying to connect why people are throwing away why they're throwing away what they could do and try and find alternatives rather than telling someone to stop doing something
1: Right. I guess with the different, you've got approach sort of appealing on the monetary aspect of food waste, and I guess with the activists, you're dealing more with the environmental sphere of it. So I guess you're very all around when it comes to dealing with food waste. Uh, why? Before we go to break here, why do you think that when it comes to food waste, cooking is so important?
5: I think it's the way we were educated. Um, when, when I was uh, cooking, I was especially in school, or even uh, my mom would say, okay, cut this away, put this in the bin, and use this part of the food, and and it becomes a habit. You cut certain parts away, and as time went on, I started to question, why am I cutting this part away? Is it edible? If it is, why am I throwing it away? Why can't I use it for a meal? Is this part edible? And you start to question things, and um, I think that's what people should do really in cooking, because there's a responsibility of you purchasing food and knowing all the parts of it to know not only is it part edible or not but after you've finished your your meal to know okay can i what can i do what's my recycling um within my city or my town what what can i do with this can i compost and really think about your food um, from a bigger perspective of just cooking and eating
1: Yeah, it it comes around so often with guests like you that are really, they're provokers, people that are trying to change things. Because we always do things the same, we accept that as the norm. But when you stop and think like you did about, well, then why am I actually doing that? Why am I throwing away the skins? Why am I, you really do provoke people to think in an alternative way. And I think that that is, you know, if nothing else, trying to get people to think outside the box, I think is a, just a profound thing to do in a society where we don't we go, run with the masses. So for that, I give you so much credit and great kudos. And when we get back from our break, I want to get uh, really deep into what you're doing, your philosophy of food waste. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes. What will it be like
6: When my pain is gone And all the worries of this world just fade away What will it be like When you call my name In that moment when I see you face to face I'm waiting my whole life to hear you say When I hear that sound All of heaven's angels crying out Till then I'll live to hear you say
0: The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice, wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Piasi
1: welcome back everybody. We are speaking with Chef Shane Jordan. He has written a book called Food Waste Philosophy, Promoting Ways to Reduce Food. Uh, Chef Shane, let's talk about uh, your progression into your your eating styles, cooking, uh, cooking food, preparing raw food. Where do you stand now with uh, vegetarianism and raw foodism? Are you in one camp or the other?
5: Um, I try and say that I'm plant-based, so I try not to Kind of pick a side because uh the I eat might be vegetarian or it might be um, vegan, so I try and stay plant based to try and stay neutral, but um I kind of jump between both camps did you were you always
1: in the plant based diet or were you a meat eater as you grew up?
5: Um, I was a meat eater um it, It's funny because my sister was a vegetarian first, and I used to kind of mock her and and then I became a vegetarian. And then she became a pescatarian and she liked to remind me, oh, I was vegetarian first and you were negative. And I was like, I know. (laughs) And um, that was interesting just how the mindset changes and you kind of learn and you evolve as a person. But, you know, years ago, I had such a negative view on vegetarianism. Now, when I have negative views um, by other people, I'm a bit more understanding because I understand where that comes from because I used to be that person.
1: What made you change from an all-around diet, including meat, to a vegetarian diet?
5: I think I watched a documentary and um, it was talking about, because at the time I played a lot of basketball and it spoke about, um, you know, cutting out red meat out of your diet and you're feeling lighter and I think, um, you know, I was playing basketball at the time and I wanted to dunk and be lighter on my feet, etc., so... I cut red meat out of my diet and then slowly it was, you know, chicken and then fish, etc. And then as time went by, you know, became a vegetarian. So it happened gradually just because of a documentary, really.
1: Interesting. So when it comes to promoting food waste, what do you feel are the environmental issues that are most important to you?
5: Mm, I mean, for me, it's more about, um, your local environment. So when it's about food waste, it's um, not filling your bins, you know, full of food and, and having foxes and, and rats and, you know, encouraging that type of vermin around your local environment and keeping your kitchen clean and, um, you know, the whole kind of permaculture philosophy of food uh, being recycled and made into fertilizer to grow more food and just having that whole philosophy of food as food waste as a resource. Um, that's important to me and obviously there are environmental aspects as well you know you can get to, to climate change um, you know reducing food waste you can link it to many other um, environmental issues etc but I try and keep it less of a global and, and talk about the world and we talk about more of the local environment because it feels more personal when you talk to someone about their local environment than overwhelming them with the world and the world and you saving the world it could be sometimes too much is,
1: is it a novel way of thinking for people when you when you talk about this? Are, are people as enlightened as I was when I researched this? Do you find that they are very in awe of what you're talking to them about?
5: I think it's about your approach. I've been in so many different situations where someone would talk about food waste or environmental issues and they'd use complex academic words or they'd be a bit too forward or they would talk too much and it would kind of scare people or put them off or they think mm, it's not my problem or they get defensive. And I've seen actually other people have a, a kind of a friendly approach and give them bite-sized information and, and apply it to their lives. And I've slowly saw both approaches and said, actually, this one's more effective in the way you engage with people. And I, I feel that people are, people don't want to feel defensive. So if you don't make them defensive, they're more open and they can share with you The issues that they have or the things that they do and try and come to a kind of reasonable conversation of, you know, so do you think you could change this or do you think you could do that and and just have a conversation rather than um, one person preaching to another?
1: Well, treat us as a group that you might be talking to and educating on food waste. Where, uh, you know, if we're walking to this arena, pie-eyed and fresh-faced, where would you start with us? Tell us what you would say to to your group about here's where we want to start uh, reducing waste you're the you're the professional in using skins and things to create recipes so en- enlighten us on how you might talk to us about reducing waste
5: well the first the, the first thing I'd say is um, you know you wear food waste and in the media and social media and talk about the tons of food waste being wasted and then I'd say well you know um, do you you know, in your household, do you, do you think you um, waste a lot of food or is there food that's uneaten that you, you don't eat and talk about what they eat and and whether they have a recycling um, system in, in their local environment that can get rid of waste and talk about composting and and then talk about storage and say, do you use your freezer to freeze your bread or do you have Tupperware to put your food in and do you label it, do you know, the difference between best as before and, 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 and other labels and um, have that conversation, have that dialogue where it's, it's helpful and you, can, you give them tips and, it, and then you give them leaflets and you give them information and it's just a, a casual conversation about food and storage and show the pros of storing food and it's lasting longer and using food for other recipes and just keep it very positive, keep it very, this will help you. And if if something helps you, you usually are in favor of it. If you can, there's a better alternative. So that's my kind of approach.
1: So when we're talking about in the kitchen, one of the specialties you have are using skins and things for new recipes. So you talked about, you know, you were brought up to cut pieces off and why are we wasting those? Can you give us recipe ideas or tips in the kitchen where normally we would throw away Particular parts of things. How have you changed this into productive, healthy, tasteful recipes?
5: Well, um, I start very simply. Just um, there's some people that have sandwiches and they might, uh, you know, cut the, the ends off their sandwiches and uh, throw them away. And I might say, you know, maybe you could, you know, fry those parts and make, uh, add some chives and make some croutons and put them in a soup, you know, or. If you're going to cut away the skin from a potato, maybe you might want to use those as chips as well, you know, uh, the potato skins. Or it's just looking at the things that you cut away and having a mindset where, can I use this for a recipe? And if I can't, is there a way for me to to put this in, in the right type of bin? I mean, in the UK, we have these little uh, caddy bins, which is like miniature bins with a compostable bin liner. And we put that in into the caddy bins, in the small caddy bins in your kitchen, and then you put it in the bigger caddy bins outside, and they take it away, mm-hmm. um, the council, and then it, it's recycled into a fertilizer to um, grow more food. So um, that's helpful in, in getting rid of your uh, food that you don't eat instead of putting it in the in a, a regular bin and um, it going to landfill or creating more waste outside of your outside of your house and attracting uh, rodents and things that you don't want to to eat from your bin.
1: Now, when I was uh, sort of preparing for things in the show today, I I saw a recipe that um, maybe, I I don't know if you know it off by heart, but giving us an idea of how you can use uh, banana skin uh, peels, banana skins.
5: Yeah, um, that was one of the kind of recipes where it was very... um, Outside of the box, um, I worked in a restaurant, and um, someone was eating a banana. And the they ate like two bananas, and they put all the skin in like in the bin. And I said, you know, look at all, you know, being the banana. Look at all that wasted skin. It'd be great if you could eat that. I just said as a joke, and um, they said, mm, I don't know, maybe you can. So I googled it, and um, I saw that in other cultures, they you can boil the banana skin, and it's actually edible, and. Uh, and then I went in the next day and said, hey, it's actually edible if you boil it. And I said, I'm going to make something from it. And, you know, you get those strange looks like, um, Shane, why do <laughs> you want to make something from banana skin? You know, you get that look, you mm-hmm. know, the side eye, it's like, that's a bit strange. i like, you know, work with me here. So I boiled it and um, I tried it and it didn't taste of anything. It has like a, a taste where, like mushrooms almost. It doesn't have a taste, but it does. It does. It's a very peculiar uh, taste. So you have to add some um, spices to it. And I decided to make a curry, so I boiled it. And um, I put it into a curry, and I gave it to someone and said, you know, try and guess what's in it. And they were trying, and I told them the banana skins. So and then there was kind of like a horrified, ah, oh, i <laughs> banana skins. And then they were like, it doesn't taste like banana. I'm like, I know. What does it taste like? It tastes nice. And it was just... Um, it was a kind of strange moment for them, and then they put it on the um, on the menu, and then people were eating it, and they were like, oh, it's banana skins, and it kind of got around, and yeah, it was a it was a great way to show people, you know, what you can eat and what's edible, and to look at their food from a different perspective, and yeah, it was, it was good, good experience.
1: That's excellent. Um, what about apple peels? Have you done anything with apple peels?
5: I think for me, uh, with apple peels, I mean, it can be. Some people don't like to eat it because it's it's quite tough to eat, um, very chewy, and um, yeah, I like to make crumbles from it. I mean, once you boil something, it gets very very soft, and you can you can make um, you know apple crumble or a pie just using the peels. So it's um, I find that very very useful. Or you know add some raisins or some some sultanas with it as well, and some cinnamon, and it is it, really nice.
1: Excellent. Those are two great tips right there. And then the the uh, I don't know if people grabbed it, but he was talking about using the potato skins for chips. So I guess you, you do dehydrate those or do you fry those?
5: Um, you can you can lightly fry them. Um, you don't have to put a lot of oil. You can just um, put them in a bowl, uh, put some oil, some some chives, etc. Uh, you just lightly coat them, and you can you can fry them or you can bake them as well. If you don't want to go for the fried route, you can bake them and. Um, they're so nice and really crispy, and uh, some people—it's the it's little simple things that people forget that you can do—and um, it's amazing when you see people and their their eyes kind of light up, like, "Oh, I didn't really think of that." and it's
1: so positive when you're doing something like that. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you, just uh, the uh, the skins of most um, fruits and vegetables are quite nutritious too. So I, I don't know why. And, and uh, as I said, you know, the one of the blessings I have doing the show is is to have my eyes open by people like you. I would never have thought of some of the things. The banana skins, a hundred percent, I would never have thought of. So that, that's that's great. Now, tell us about your book as we're approaching the end of the show. I want to give you um, some time to talk about your book and why you wrote it.
5: Um, I wrote the book because people would always always ask me, How did you get into this? Like it's, it's so peculiar. Um, there'd be kind of like not stereotype but like uh there aren't many um I don't know, uh black British or people of a certain culture or particular race involved in environmental work, so they'd look at me a bit different and say, How did you get into this? And what's your journey? Because I you know, I'm from the inner city and it's not something that my friends or I've been around to say that I've been encouraged by these types of activities. I mean cooking, yeah, but environmental work is, it was peculiar for some people and they'd wanna, you know, in a positive way, ask you know, why did you get into this? What's your what's what's your drive? Like what 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 makes you want to do this and, and you devote your time to it? So Decided to compile all my stories, the journey from the beginning, into a book, and put some some recipes, put some tips, put some funny stories, some just be open as possible. Talk about the days when I used to throw things away, and um, you know recipes that I went too far and tried too many ingredients and they weren't successful. Things where it opens me out. I'm not trying to be Mr. Perfect, you know, like Captain Planet, great, you know, I've done everything amazing. I could talk about the things that I've done that haven't worked, and I can kind of smile and laugh with my audience when they read this and just be an open book really, and just talk about the journey and what i my plans for the future and just take them on a on a on a nice journey through what i'm doing and, and that's what I've decided to do with the book. um I didn't want to make it too academic, I didn't want to make it full of pie charts and graphs and how many tons. Of, of food waste we're we're wasting and make it to the point where certain people would want to pick this book up and others wouldn't. I wanted it to be a book where anyone could just pick pick this book up, look at a chapter and just read it and say, actually, this is interesting. Uh, The language is very everyday language and um, it's not too serious, but it's not too playful, but it's a mixture of things. And at the end of it, you'd want to... talk to someone about this book and maybe rethink the way you're doing things and your approach. So that was my hope.
1: Wonderful. And is this book available on Amazon?
5: It is available on Amazon. It's uh, it's got lots of uh, positive ratings. And, um, yeah, it's done very well. And and people like it and they enjoy it. And it's just nice to have something out there, um, all your thoughts and feelings out there, and, and to know that people really learn a lot from the book. I they tell you, well, I've really, you know, changed me. That's an amazing feeling.
1: Great. And what are the future plans for Shane Jordan?
5: Well, um, I've done so much work in the UK. Uh, I'd love to go, you know, either to maybe Canada or, or the, the US. I've got connections in different places, so I'd love to see what people are doing in other countries and just, you know, just learn, learn as much as possible. But I'd love to, to get out of the UK and to do some work in other countries.
1: Uh, with With the work you're doing, it sounds like it won't be a, a hard thing for you to do to to spread your knowledge. I think it's a, as I said a great thing uh, for everybody to learn about food waste and and to get a hold of your book and to see what direction we can take little steps to to help the environment to help our pocketbook so many things. Um, I want to send everybody the social site so on Twitter, your handle is at Food waste Shane uh on instagram it's at shane.jordan is there a space there shane for food waste or what is the what is the actual instagram um
5: i think it's like a an underscore um i, I think I should remember my Instagram. But yeah, I think there it's, is it, something under there. Yeah. Uh, I, well, like, well, that. Yeah. Well, I've some, had it typed up and here, and there's
1: a, there's a line there, so I, I imagine it's an underscore. But easy enough to Google Shane Jordan on Instagram. And then if you want to find out more about the book, just uh, go to foodwastephilosophy dot com. Shane, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate uh, what you do and you taking the time to be with us.
5: That's okay. I appreciate um, talking to you guys.
1: Wonderful. Everybody next week on the health hub, we will be talking to Dr. Glenn Livingston about never binging again. So that's going to be a great show. And we will talk to you all next week on the health hub.